0: a few words to uh, create a little context for the guest speakers that I'll introduce in a moment. In the big picture of things, we have been in a long exploration of the gospel according to John, but we are interrupting that for a few weeks to talk about the topic of money. Uh, Our aim in raising this topic is the decrease of anxiety and fear in your lives, and the increase of wisdom and joy. You know, we all have that intuitive sense that money is so powerful uh, and a, a source of joy and happiness and blessing to many. And joy can be a source of tension in our lives and it can even master us and keep us up at night. So, our prayers for the increase of wisdom and the increase in great joy. So, our speakers. Uh, Tom and Bree Shea—they are uh, up this weekend from Southern California. Their city of residence is the city of Pomona, and they're uh, deeply devoted to the transformation of that city. Bree is an artist and a community activist. Tom is an entrepreneur. Um, he will tell you about some of the numerous things that he's creating and leading. He also sits on numerous boards of nonprofit organizations. He's on the board of my alma mater, Fuller Theological Seminary. So I'm glad for that. I am um, excited to have them here today uh, because of the particular way in which they live out their love for Jesus. And I experienced in all my conversations with them, I was on the phone with Tom the other day, and he was just talking about all these financial challenges before him, and he's just laughed and laughed there's just so much joy pouring out from his heart i experienced their love for christ and their close following of christ pouring forth in joy and in acts of faith and i want that for my life and i want it for our lives as well so would you welcome with me tom and brie Let's pray for these friends. Lord, we welcome the presence of your Holy Spirit. Enliven our hearts. Grant to our community ears to hear your voice. And pour out power and strength upon these friends that their story, their testimony, and their teaching might come to us with your power. Your power to bring life. We ask that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's give you guys one more round of applause. Well, good morning.
1: Good morning, everyone.
0: We're grateful
2: to be here worshiping with you today and for Pastor Brad's invitation to come and share with you uh, our reflections about living in God's generosity. We are Tom.
1: And Brie (laughs) Shea.
2: And we bring greetings to you from the believers at uh, Pomona First Presbyterian Church. And we've been invited here today to share about God's generosity. And we had a sense that we should um, both share, not only because we share a banking account, (laughs) uh, but because generosity has been a journey that we've been called into and uh, and sought to practice together.
1: Um, We've lived in Pomona for 28 and 23 years, respectively, um, as part of the work of servant partners to seek the peace and wholeness, shalom of the city. And a shout out to Andy, wherever you are, and Janet Singletary, who are are part of the River community, also part of the broader work of Servant Partners in urban transformation But here in San Jose.
2: When I first moved to Pomona, it was the fourth largest city in LA County and the second poorest city. Um, And so while working for transformation in the city, I also worked in tech. And I was an early employee at an early internet startup called EarthLink. Now, some of you may be you know, maybe too young to have <laughs> heard of the company Earthlink, uh, but there was a time before the internet was a thing. And, um, and Earthlink was one of the early dot-com success stories. When I joined Earthlink, the, the technical team was just 10 engineers and myself. And we were working out of a converted dentist's office at the time, and I grew up with the company, I was eventually VP of Engineering, so I helped grow that team of 10 to 450 engineers nationwide, network engineers, software engineers, systems engineers, and through our IPO. We were a $1.2 billion IPO on the NASDAQ exchange, and, and when the company went public, that was kind of a crazy day at the office. Right? So, so the next day, mailroom clerks showed up in their new BMWs, <laughs> and, and <laughs> admin assistants in their new LDTTs. And I showed up in uh, my old Geo Metro. Um, and, <laughs> and at that time, many of my peers, uh, other executives in the company, were, were moving. They were buying uh, nicer homes near the beach. But we felt like our calling was to stay in Pomona, um, where we were called to ministry.
1: Now as singles, and even though I made quite a bit less than Tom, Um, Both of us chose a simple lifestyle to be able to live as close to the heart of Jesus and our neighbors as we could. And we both really received from God and others as we did that. There's such a connection and generosity shown to us from all of our neighbors. Um, Not just relationally, but food, invites to parties, uh, cold sweet drinks in the afternoon. And then um, when we were in our engagement process, when we decided to get married, um, we started to think about how would we live and how would we live financially. And we decided together to try to live at the median household income for the U.S., which at that point was around 38 grand a year, um, even though Tom had made six figures so that we could give the rest away. Now, some years we've been above and some years we've been below, um, but we have basically tried to put a ceiling on our lifestyle and spending so that we had capacity for generosity. Today, the median household income for California is close to 80 grand, and we try to live close to that. And we've been blessed in that, pro- in that process and the practice of living simply, giving more, and learning and continuing to trust and receive from God.
2: Now, last time I spoke here at the River Church uh, in November of 2018, I-, I shared that I was starting a new commuter airline called FLOAT. And so FLOAT stands for Fly Over All Traffic.
1: <laughs> in L.A., yeah. where I started.
2: Yeah. And uh, so we launched FLOAT in March of 2020. Yep. We, had, uh, we had a fabulous first two weeks. Yep. And then the county issued their stay-at-home orders, and, and we had to put that on pause. Um, so at that time, our team stepped back, and we asked, well, where's the need and where's the opportunity for what we have built? And we were drawn to uh, an airline that had gone bankrupt in Alaska called Raven Alaska. And through God's generosity, we were able to acquire Raven and restart it. So because Raven was not flying, there were communities in Alaska that couldn't see a doctor, couldn't buy groceries, and couldn't get their U.S. Postal Service. So when we restarted the airline and um, the f- planes flew again, the, the first time our planes landed in these communities, the whole community would come out, and they would just applaud um, when, we, when the plane landed. Uh, <coughs> since, so last year, uh, I, I, uh, also I co-founded a cryptocurrency company called Flycoin, so we raised uh, a Series seed, thirty-three point two million dollars to launch this new cryptocurrency company. And then this year, I'm working on starting a new trans-Pacific airline called uh, Northern, Northern Pacific Northern Pacific Airways. So it's a little bit update on the business front. Oh, sorry. Last week, uh, Pastor Brad taught from Leviticus about the Year of Jubilee. This week, we'd like to look at Deuteronomy chapter fourteen, verses twenty-two to twenty-nine. The command regarding the tithe
1: and i will uh read this and i'll skip a couple of verses just to kind of make it a little more condensed so starting in deuteronomy 14 verse 22 be sure to set aside a tenth of all your fields produce each year eat the tithe of your grain new wine and olive oil and the firstborn of your herds and flocks in the presence of the lord your god or if you've made too much and it's too far and you need to exchange your tithe for money so that you can go and celebrate in God's president, presence, um, use the tithe and exchange it for silver. And then starting in verse 26, use that silver to buy whatever you like, cattle, sheep, wine, or other fermented drink, anything you wish. Then you and your household shall eat there in the presence of the Lord your God and rejoice. And do not neglect the Levites or the ministry leaders living in your towns, for they have no allotment or inheritance of their own. At the end of every three years, bring all the tithes of that year's produce and store it in your towns, so that the Levites and the foreigners, the fatherless, The widows who live in your towns may come and eat and be satisfied, and so that the Lord may bless you in all the work of your hands.
2: The tithe is essentially a big party. You take a tenth of your year's earnings, and you have a big party. It's a description of celebration. It's a description of extravagance. It's a description of community. So let's consider the scale of this party. Okay, so, so in today's terms, let's say you earn $50,000 a year. A tenth of that would be $5,000. What kind of party can you throw with $5,000? Pretty good party, right? Okay, now imagine everyone doing this at the same time. Wow. Okay, this is, this is huge. This is, this is big. This is extravagant. This is what some might consider wasteful. Right? But God is throwing this party, he's commanding this party, he's saying, take a tenth of your earnings, the stuff that he's given you, and throw this party for everyone. And do not neglect those who have no allotment of their own. So this understanding of the tithe is not what I grew up with. Okay? Growing up, the tithe to me was always associated more with obligation or duty. Right? It didn't have this association of celebration fun party receiving from god communal joy well, we're commanded to celebrate the tithe together with others with people and community with everyone and it's interesting to me how public this is it's a display of of how everyone's been blessed by the lord that year and there's no hiding it whether whether your blessing's been great or little everyone takes a tenth and everyone celebrates together in the presence of the lord
1: Now in one of our own early and significant celebrations, when Tom and I were planning our wedding, uh, we tried to figure out a way to take these values into consideration and apply them. So we decided to hold our wedding reception at a local park, Ganesha Park, um, because we wanted it to be accessible to our neighbors. We rented out the covered pavilions, also rented out the public pool so the kids could play and everyone could swim for free that day. Um, I think all together that cost us about $700 for facilities. But we provisioned enough for the catering or more than enough for the catering so there'd be extra food so that anyone at the park that day could join the buffet line and celebrate with us. And they did. Yeah. <laughs> that, that was a little of a strange experience for some of our relatives, but it was great. Very, it was very fun for us. Now, in order to um, stay, also to stay within our budget for our honeymoon, We decided to celebrate nearby in San Diego and um, close by Mexico instead of taking a more luxurious, maybe overseas trip um, for that. But then, about a year later, I got a call from some company, said they're connected to Target, and they said, congratulations, you have won the Califon Target honeymoon sweepstakes, which I did not believe until I got the tax forms in the mail, and they started scheduling things with us. Um, and then I did, I believed it was real. So we had ha- put our wedding reg- registry at Target and we registered for like a califon pan. And so we had just automatically been entered into the sweepstakes that I had no idea, no idea at all about. Um, looking back, maybe there was a poster about it, but yeah, it was not on my radar. So, but we won a seven day, all expense paid vacation to Tuscany, Italy. Um, where we had a huge per diem for food everyday to use it or lose it so we ate well
2: I remember Bree saying to me at that time she said this is the Lord's confirmation this is the Lord's assurance to us that, that he will provide that he will be generous with us
1: and he has been
2: last year we took part of our tithe and we sent it to uh, each of Servant Partners' location sites uh, around the world, with a note highlighting Deuteronomy 14 and an invitation to them to engage their imaginations and come up with ideas of how to use that money to invite others into the celebration, into this God party. All the different sites celebrated God's goodness in different ways, but I was particularly touched by a report from one site where uh, they said they used the money and they splurged. And instead of just serving rice and beans at their celebration like they normally would, they they bought meat and vegetables, which they normally would never do. And although they they initially felt very uncomfortable, they remembered the command from Deuteronomy chapter 14 and God's generous extravagance. Okay, so back to Deuteronomy chapter 14. Um, So every year, you take a tenth of your earnings of that year, and you have this big party. Okay, except for the third year. So the third year, you set aside the whole tithe, and you put it in your storehouses, in your towns, so that those who have, others who have needs, the immigrants, the fatherless, the widows, um, in your towns can come and eat and be satisfied.
1: And I'll share one example of how this has um, looked for us in our lives. For the first 10 years of marriage, we rented an apartment. Um, two bedrooms was enough for us. Actually, it was a lot more space than a lot of our neighbors had, where families Whole families would live in one room. Um, but God gave us the okay to start ra- uh, to start saving for a house. And it took us a while to save enough for a down payment because of the um, budget we were living on, so we just put away a little bit every month. So after a number of years, we had um, a down payment possible. And then one day, um, sometimes Tom and I would just pray and we'd ask God, God, what are you doing? What do you want to speak to us? Anything we haven't heard from you? Um, and so in this particular day, we had a sense that God wanted us to be ready to give to some needs that would come our way, and he would show us what they were and when they were, um, and he wanted us to give to those. Now, we've always managed our finances more like a conduit or a river than a reservoir. So at the end of the year, there was nothing left in our checking account, but there was 33000 in our savings account.
2: The next week, uh, we learned that one of, our, one of our neighbors, one of our friends, uh, a family that was just starting to experience some stability in their lives, that the, the, the father of the household uh, had a warrant out for his arrest. Okay, so what had started as an unpaid traffic ticket uh, it snowballed because of missed court dates. He didn't have the money to pay the fines. Uh, had ballooned to almost $10,000 in fines and a warrant for his arrest. And we, we felt like we were meant to give to him and his family um, everything they needed to settle that debt.
1: The following week, we had learned of a relative going through a significant debt-related financial crisis of about 10000 And we felt that we were called to give to that need, and we did.
2: The week after that, we learned of an international ministry partnership that had an urgent financial need. And we felt that that, too, was something that God was calling us to give to, So by the end of the month, we had emptied out our entire savings account. Uh, But it's God's money to begin with. We were just stewards of it. Uh, Then, three months later, I received an unexpected bonus. Almost the exact same amount. $33,000. And we felt like the Lord said to us, put that back in your savings account.
1: Over the years, this kind of thing has happened to us in different ways and times, um, as we've asked God about how he wants us to give, Um, not just about money, but in giving time, giving our energy, our resources, opening up our home, sharing a vehicle, investing in others in larger or smaller ways. And something we've come to learn and have been convicted about is that when God asks or gives an opportunity for anyone who has means or resources, to stretch in generosity or giving, it can be an inconvenience. But when those without resources are financially stretched, it's almost always a crisis, sometimes a matter of life and death or health, or significant loss or trauma or destruction within the family, of a job without a car, of health without a dental or doctor appointment, of dignity if there's no clothing for job interview, Or just ability to study and learn if there's not good food. Or stability without just that financial bandwidth that we all kind of need in life.
2: Recently, one of our friends called us uh, because their car was wrecked in in an accident. It was the other driver's fault, so their insurance would would pay for the repairs, but they would be without a car for several weeks. Uh, Actually, that's turned into um, a number of months now. Because the insurance and all have been very slow. (laughs) Um, But we gave them one of our cars to use. Because for us, living with one car is an inconvenience. Uh, For for them, to to be without a car is disastrous. At church, one of our friends heard that we were down to one car. And they said, hey, we have an extra car. Our (laughs) son's at college. And so here are the keys. They said, you know, um, we don't need it back until spring break in April.
1: The purpose of resources that we have and of money is to be used for people. That's the only investment that will last. It's the only investment that's eternal because only people are eternal. This world and the things in it will pass away and change someday. Some of it will pass away sooner rather than later. Sometimes people ask us, what's your formula for deciding how much to give, who to give, when to give it? And our answer is we really don't have much of a formula, except for trying to apply scripture, trying to create bandwidth in our lives so there's space and ability for generosity, and praying together or individually until we have some conviction and peace about what we're called to do, how the Lord might be calling to give us. Uh, give, give to us, and then give out. Because the root of joyful generosity, it's not just a will thing or some abstract ideal that we have to fit ourselves into. It is a trusting relationship with God, our Father, where we can really receive from him, allow Jesus to wash our feet, which he wants to do. Mm. Allow our Father to give us our daily bread, which he wants to do. And allow the Holy Spirit to bring and just multiply both wisdom and resources, which the Holy Spirit wants to do.
2: We're going to share a story about our daughter, who's given us permission to talk about her. (laughs) When our daughter was in third grade, she came to Bree and I and, and said, Mommy, Daddy, why do we live here? Why do we live in this city? It's loud with the sirens at night. It's dirty. We live a block away from a very gritty intersection at the center of the, of the, of the city. It's ugly. It's not nice like some other cities. But well, we shared with her again um, our sense of, of calling, of God's invitation to us to work for the well-being of, of the city and to receive from and be blessed uh, by the relationships with our neighbors. But we're a family and it has to work for a whole family. And if at any time it doesn't work for someone in the family, then we would need to bring it before the Lord and ask him for direction. So at that, she said, OK, thanks. And she ran (laughs) off to play. (laughs) At that time, I was serving as a volunteer campaign manager for a mayoral candidate in our city, our current mayor, Mayor Tim Sandoval. And we were working together to root out a, a layer of political corruption in our city. Um, a daughter came to me and asked if she could attend our campaign meetings, if she could go with me to the meet and greet gatherings. I said, sure. So she would come with me to these meetings, and she'd just work the room. <laughs> right? And so eventually, i get around to meeting someone, and they say, oh, you must be Cadence's yep. father.
1: Yeah, she totally would. She'd work the room. They loved her. Um, she also volunteered with me when I was running um, placemaking workshops, where every number of weeks. Um, we'd bring any, or anywhere from 40 to 80 people would come together from around the city and gather to brainstorm ways to transform a corner or an alleyway or a block into something more beautiful, livable, hospitable and inviting, um, a place to be in the community.
2: After Tim Sandoval was elected,
1: yeah, fun. <laughs>
2: uh, a couple of years later, our, uh, a friend of ours, a young school teacher, Nora Garcia, decided that she would run for city council. So Cadence volunteered for her campaign team, and she played such a significant role that when Nora was sworn in, she asked Cadence to stand up there on the podium with her.
1: Over the years, Cadence has made our city her city, and she has been part and party to the change and the work and the transformation of seeking shalom, seeking peace and wholeness and healing um, in our community. And she's also grown in receiving and giving from God's generosity herself. So many times now as a teenager, she's covered the cost of things for friends or even told my friends that we would cover something or other for them. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, she has (coughs) fought for the check at dinner a number of times and won. Um, And she had me call an Uber for a mom with a toddler who needed a ride someplace like 20 miles away in L.A. She has really taken in the ability to be generous. And it's not just because she's seen some things in our lives um, That's a part of it, but really and truly it's because she knows that everything we have is also hers. And we will cover her in her desire to give to anyone in need around her, as well as taking care of her in her own needs. Jesus tells us a story of a father with two sons. The youngest son asks for his share of the inheritance from the father um, right then, essentially saying to his dad, I just, I can't wait till you're dead. I just want the money and I want to go. And his father shockingly and generously gives the younger son the full part of his inheritance, which the younger son takes, goes to a far off land and squanders, lives an easy life, uses it all. And then he's left with nothing, and he is eating like scraps with the pigs. And he says, There's, it's better if I was a servant in my father's house. So he goes back, and while the son was a long way off down the road, the father sees him because he had been looking for him every single day. He sees him, and he runs toward him. He embraces him, and he tells the servants... Go kill the fattened calf and throw a party to honor my son who was gone and who has returned.
2: We might feel uncomfortable with this kind of generosity and extravagance because it's so undeserved, so unmerited. And indeed, God's generosity to us is so undeserved, so unmerited. In Jesus' story, then the older son then comes back from the fields. And he hears the commotion, he sees this party, and he is enraged. The father goes out to the older son and begs him to come into the party. The older son says, all these years I have slaved for you and have not asked even for a, such as a small young goat to party with my friends. The father replies, all these years you have been with me and all that I have is yours.
1: So our question to leave you with today is um, whether we've been able to receive from God's goodness and grace, extravagance and generosity um, for ourselves, his love for us. If we've been able to take that in spiritually, emotionally, relationally, and material, have we asked for what we need? And are we willing to use what we have for others?
2: Are we willing to join the party? To joyfully use what the Lord's given us in fun and imaginative ways to celebrate, to grow community with everyone, with those with little and those who have much, and to experience the joy of God's generosity.
1: Amen, and may it be so.
0: that was a lot, wasn't it, in a relatively short amount of time. So I'd like to provide some time to help us chew on what it is that Tom and Brie have prepared for us so that we could digest it and maybe even be changed by it. So I'd invite you to move from that space of listening to Tom and Brie and the voice of the Spirit uh, through them to just tuning into your own heart. What's going on for you? What are your inner responses to what it is you've heard? Could be like feelings of enthusiasm or you could have feelings of revulsion or some really weird combination of both of those things. God can handle the honest responses of our hearts. Uh, I said earlier, there's a follow-up gathering at 1 p.m. To be with Tom and Breeze, they're available to answer uh, any questions that you might have to interact with them. Um, but today, let's sit in uh, just twos or threes and chat about what it is you've heard. Let me offer you two questions that you could interact with. He had something else you wanted to say. You're a Silicon Valley soul, just do your own thing, you know? But I think it'd be interesting just to ponder what parts of their story seem memorable to you? The stories that they told, and there were a lot of them in there, but which of them were most memorable or even moving to you? And just rehearse them, tell them aloud to one another so they sink in. And beyond recalling those stories, what do you think God might be revealing about himself through those stories? As you reflect on those stories, what do you think they might tell you about the heart of God? So turn in twos or threes, look around if there's someone sitting alone, be a hospitable soul and welcome them in. And in a few minutes, Abby will come back and lead us in worship through song. Enjoy.